0: Geekscapist. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. We are back in the Westwood One Studios. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and every week I like to talk to a filmmaker, a comic book creator, a a singer-songwriter, a a storyteller, basically, from the worlds of movies, video games, comics. TV, music, all the pop culture stuff, and it just—I'm fascinated by the working mind of people who make stories like I do. Uh, and I hope that you get a lot out of the show listening to people who uh, choose creativity and expression as their uh, as their lifestyle. Um, it's not an easy lifestyle. Sometimes it can be um, bumpy, but uh, it makes me feel good to do this show and find like-minded individuals to uh, to talk passion with um today is no different we've got fritz bohm he's got a film out uh it's out right now it's in theaters and it's on vod and digital hd it's called wildling um i watched it over the weekend it will appeal to hmm i don't want to just say horror fans because i, I found that there are some horror elements in the movie but for the most part there was some coming of age drama there was some mystery there was some supernatural stuff and um and I, it was all around kind of a, a really cool movie. It's called Wildling, and it's got Liv Tyler in it, uh, Brad Dourif, who you guys would recognize maybe from Lord of the Rings, you big geeks, but some of you deeper geeks will know it's Chucky. <laughs> 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 and uh, and I really, really, really enjoyed it, and, um, and I loved the craft of the movie. Uh, so we've got that going on. Real quick, I want to throw a big shout out to my younger brother, Paul. Uh, it's his birthday today. Uh, along with mr charlie chaplin as of the recording of this show on the 16th of april so happy birthday paul um and we are back in the westwood one studios as i uh just waved somebody off who was walking into the studios we're recording so yeah there are some awesome elements to recording here it is that uh we get some great sound, and then there's some elements where people walk in, even though there's an on-air sign. Did you see that? <laughs> so, uh, Fritz, that is uh, basically what we do here on Geekscape. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, welcome to the studio.
1: Yeah, thank- hi, Jonathan, and, <laughs> and hi, Geekscape crowd. I'm I'm glad to be here. Exciting.
0: So, talk to me about um, the movie because I I found. I, I watched a couple movies of the weekend, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, and in this one in particular, I thought um, had this. You did something really smart at the beginning, <laughs> and, uh, and and I was talking to somebody over the weekend. I was on another podcast. I was guessing on a podcast. I was talking about protecting the auteur theory and basically protecting the auteur, especially in. Uh, the the industry that we live in right now where everything's kind of going franchise and superheroes, right. and it's very, very hard to have an indie movie made. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if your management's telling you this, but my management's telling me TV, 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 <laughs> you know? And everybody's saying TV is where everything's moving, and independent film is tough. And for me, it one medium or the other, I feel like the auteur isn't being like the singular vision of a storyteller isn't being protected by the industry because the industry kind of can't run at that. Sp- it, it just can't, it, it it's working like an assembly line. So a singular vision for singular stories get ironed out of it. You mm-hmm. know, you kind of have to create a franchise and at the beginning of this movie yeah. in the opening beats, it's storytelling.
1: Yeah. And I right. found that to be
0: <laughs> very cool that this movie starts with a quote-unquote father figure yeah. just telling a story to a little girl mm-hmm. and immediately you've laid the groundwork that we are going to be told a story for the next two
1: hours that's right
0: and you were going to take your time with it
1: yeah i mean of course you're right you know indie films are hard to get made but i feel i got really lucky because um, i had wonderful producers a wonderful cast and, um, you know, the movie for me is, rather than a horror film or a fantasy film, it's really a dark fairy tale, you know. So what you're talking about with the storytelling in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, it, it was by design that you get, uh, that you start with a story within a story. And it was funny that Brad Dourif, who plays the character Daddy, actually improvised the opening line of the movie, which is, do you want to hear a story? Oh, wow. And, and that was um, basically uh, him on set with a child actress, Arlo Mertz, who is listening to his story. And um, the cameras were already rolling, but he was still trying to get this girl into the mood of, how you're gonna hear a story, and so he just improvised, do you want to hear a story mm-hmm. and then later on in the editing room, I found that bit where he says that and thought oh that that would be a cool opening line let's let's start the whole movie like that it
0: was it was awesome, and it set a stage for exactly what you just what you said is that this is yeah very much more so a fairy tale than anything And the story uh, geekscape is is Uh, about a, a young girl who is kept by this father figure this daddy figure in a room based on this story that he tells her that if she ever gets out of the room a creature called the wildling will come and eat her as it has all of the other children and um as she starts to get older clearly she i mean she starts to go into um puberty and with that comes the complications of like she isn't out, you know, she, her body's starting to go through changes and he's trying to keep these changes from happening. And he, you, you know, and you realize that this is almost, this is very much a, a, like a captive situation, an abusive situation. He's very much keeping her captive and ultimately um, she is rescued from the situation. You've got Liv Tyler who plays the, the local sheriff and she takes the, the girl in and, and the girl's body starts to catch up with her and you start to realize that these changes that she's going through are much more than just puberty uh she That's right the movie is called Wildling <laughs> and so um you know you don't de- you, you don't have the Michael J Fox um Teen Wolf bathroom scene but we definitely have the scene where she's going through some changes and it's not as hilarious as in Teen Wolf it's a bit horrific but um, <laughs> no offense Good to the description but uh but yeah i mean that that's kind of the stage of this movie she it, it it's she's a, she's got this i don't want to call her a monster but but she has this animal in her that has been kind of kept in in check by this individual yeah. um and then you know it, and what I like about it is, um, and I, again, I was describing Spider Man to somebody and how what an awesome coming of age metaphor Spider Man is, and how your body starts to change and how everybody goes, through, everybody can relate to Spider Man because we all go through those changes mm-hmm. and with those changes in adulthood come this responsibility and this and that. And your character is going through a similar journey, right? But with a different tone, right? You yeah. know, um, where did the story come from? Because you co-wrote the film.
1: Yeah, um, I wrote it. You know, over. Several years, and I had two of my best friends, Florian Eder and David Palmer, um, help me with it. You know, like we discussed all the ideas together that ended up being in the movie. And, you know, it's um, the origins of it were really that from childhood on, I had a huge fascination with fairy tales, and I was always drawn to the creatures the the dark creatures in these fairy tales you know like Rumpelstiltskin or the big bad wolf or the strange creatures like the little mermaid uh, in the hans christian andersen because version. it's a
0: tragedy the no yeah, little mermaid is not so well. they're very
1: tragic and you know um, i somehow found always that the story of these creatures is much more interesting than you know, the boring princess or prince um, that that encounters them. So um, I guess the idea with Wildling was to create my own misunderstood creature and make sort of a creature feature as a fairy tale from the point of view of that being, you know, rather than having the creature come into the story and meet our hero, I want it. Her to be the hero of the right. story
0: because it's not a werewolf movie. <clears throat> it's not, a werewolf, yeah, it's not movie. a werewolf
1: movie. You know, um, there is. Uh, you know, we're basically talking about hairy women in this movie, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, we don't see but, the men. Um, but yeah, um, so so you know that that of course makes you compare it to werewolves. But uh, you know, at the bottom line, it's a story about growing up. And it's a story about a little girl who becomes a woman, and um, that what is happening with her puberty, adolescence. It's a biological process that happens to all of us, mm-hmm. you know. And I watched it very closely with my little sister when she went through that phase, which is probably the other big influence on you this know, film, how this film got. You were horrified um, by your, your sister's way. I was you just horrified <laughs> by my sister. No, but I was also <laughs> fascinated by her and thought, um, you know, she was such a nature-loving kid, and I always thought, you know, if she when she matures and what if she just runs into the woods and becomes an animal, right? You know?
0: Right? What if this
1: Yeah, <laughs> I thought somehow there's a movie in there. So, uh, yeah, those were.
0: The main influences um, I think that there's a level of like the the Bigfoot mythology that, that is also there were a couple movies that came to mind when I saw it um, mm-hmm. obviously you've got Ginger Snaps mm-hmm. have you seen Ginger Snaps it's, I've seen it a while I, I, ago I, I yeah. saw the first Ginger Snaps I, mm-hmm. I saw it at South by Southwest when it premiered I, I mean it must have been the, the mid to late 90s and um, and I thought that was a really good teenage you know coming of age uh, you know from right. a, from a female perspective um the other one was like the hunt you know there are there in the, in the movie geekscapists and i don't want to spoil too much there are as a group of hunters who have extinguished at the opening of the movie there are no more wildlings and if this girl is a, is a wildling she is the last of them because the local hunters have uh had all gotten together and it had a extinguish the the wildlings population in this in this area where the movie takes place and um and so there was a bit of like the bigfoot hunter mm-hmm. idea too mm-hmm. where, where you know you've got these guys who know the woods yeah and they don't respect the woods yeah uh, but the one who respects the woods is the one who's the real hunter mm-hmm. you know the one who mm-hmm. respects the the wildling or respects the bigfoot and there was some of that element to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of, that, I mean, I I thought of that that very famous Bigfoot image, mm-hmm. you know, later in the film, um, and thought that the, the in it it was kind of like a that peaceful moment that you throw in the, it, towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about that, and I thought it was a, a beautiful little silent piece, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I think I think that a lot of this movie uh, works on. Not just that, but you're throwing a lot of really solid imagery to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know you worked as a VFX uh, person, a post-supervisor. So there's a lot of just, in in that stage of the process, you really have to focus on the images and make sure that they're conveying the story. And you want to get rid of everything else. Mm -hmm. And so as close to a silent movie as you can make, you're making it in, in... so at what point, was there a singular image that led, that kind of worked as your guide in this movie? Does that make sense that that educated like your tone or educated your pace or educated? Yeah.
1: Well, um, I guess, you know, other than movies like Ginger Snaps or Teen Wolf, um, you know, as said, I wanted to make it a fairy tale, you know, right. like really, um, uh, yeah, a, a, fairy tale fable type of tone, and in terms of the images, they were all fueled more or less by my lead character, Anna, you know so you know before I ever thought about images, I was um, just trying to get into the that character and see how the character can dictate where the story goes on a script level on yeah. a script level yeah. right, and then um. You know, out of that came all the ideas for the visuals of the movie, like the Northern Lights as a symbol for uh, pure nature and the opposite of civilization, the opposite of your nature being contained. oppressed yeah. or contained by civilization and by man, and you know, by the toxic masculinity that you have in that daddy character. Um, so it's interesting you bring up Bigfoot because I think a big theme in Bigfoot is nature and um return to nature and um that somehow gels with the idea of of coming of age story because when you grow up, you are discovering your nature, you know mm-hmm. and um so Anna's story is. As much as it is about her discovering her own nature, it is also about her relationship with nature versus her relationship with civilization.
0: Oh, so we're talking about a female protagonist, and Mm -hmm. we're dudes. (laughs) And and you wrote this with dudes. Um, (laughs) Was there a point in the writing process developing a, a film for a female? protagonist where you hit a confidence level where you're just like okay wait like it like how do you get past that that yeah. that threshold of confidence where you feel like you can confidently write a, a, a female lead and a female driven movie, movie as a man yeah yeah as a man it, was it research that got you past the point was it just like hey let's just go this is i'm going to focus on this character's once and
1: yeah well luckily i had a lot of wonderful women <laughs> help me out on this project. So, you know, um, as said, it was observing my little sister. That was a big part. Um, then my wife, who's a screenwriter, you know, she helped me throughout the whole process of developing the script. I had a lot of conversations with her. And then also uh, making the movie, it was a very uh, uh, female uh, team you know like my both my producers celine ratra and trudy styler are women the the whole lead cast is is women bell and live and um especially with bell you know the first time we met i said to her you know this whole movie will really rest on your shoulders it will totally live and die with your performance And I want you to bring in as much personal emotion and connect it to yourself as much as you can. So let's use the basis as a script, but um, let me know your instincts as a woman about this story and about Anna's trajectory and the stages of her journey. So, I, you know, that's what we did. And in the end, it's a... It's a team effort, you know. It's not me one dude <laughs> making a movie about women. Yeah. <laughs> it's really a, a whole crew and of course um uh Belle Pauley especially uh was the driving force in making the character Anna come to life. And
0: where where does this rest in the other ideas that you have bouncing around you know what i mean because as a filmmaker like uh, there's always those it's almost like you're you're playing like a turtle race <laughs> it's very much a turtle race because these things mm-hmm. take forever mm-hmm. uh, but you're playing this turtle race with all your creative ideas mm-hmm. and every now and then like one of the turtles will break out and you'll be like oh this one this is the one that's gonna go yeah you know um when you when you look back and um at all the you know projects that you have bouncing around where do, where does this fit as far as the kind of storyteller you want to be known as does that make sense
1: you know, I think Wild Thing is just a story that I wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get out and um, I wanted to do this film so badly and I put an incredible amount of work and sacrifice into making the film. You know, it took it took alone two years almost just to accomplish the post-production and the visual effects in it simply because it was so done on such a minimal budget in the
0: last 15 minutes like Um, you go big and it kind of was like whoa okay (laughs) hey he went that's a big that is a big shot (laughs) right you know um okay so 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 like when you look at like that kind of pie trifecta that you that every filmmaker has to deal with it can be done easily it can be done cheaply or it can be done well and you can pick two Mm, um, correct there's
1: always the magic triangle
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were like okay we have to make this cheaply and we have to do this well
1: yeah so this is going to take two years exactly yeah and we had to really uh, economize during the principal photographer we had 23 days to shoot yeah. the movie um but you know there were all those uh, time suckers as they're commonly known as right. in the schedule like working with children working with animals you know there's dogs deer mm-hmm. um there's a hamster <laughs> there's a hamster <laughs> and then, yes. um there's uh, special effects makeup you know prosthetic makeup which takes a huge amount of time out of your day um uh at the same time we couldn't do overtime
0: you, you know, don't have the money hose, yeah. You um, don't have the money we, hose to wash the problems away.
1: Exactly. Then uh, there were scenes on water, which mm-hmm. is also a little difficult. You know, like walking around with uh, fishing pants in the in a river. It's it's <laughs> right it slows down your shoot. So um, there were a lot of these things in the schedule, and it was kind of a crazy schedule. So after uh, we made those twenty three days. I, I had to tell my producers, okay, we got it in the can, we delivered it on time, on budget, but the the post-production will take a while now because yes. you <laughs> know there's a lot of things that need to be retouched. There's um, a lot of uh, set extensions that need to be done, et cetera, et cetera. So, like the digital um, mats and some yeah, like of that. Yeah, know? there was a lot of that. Also because we shot the movie in New York City, more or less, or in very close surrounding of New York City. Whoa! So, really? Yes, um, it was. Um, it, it 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 was a part of the way the movie was financed that it had to be shot in New York City. And um, I mean, how close to New York City? Because a twenty-three mile radius.
0: Geeks gave us. We're talking about a film. When you watch it, I thought that this was like rural Maine or Oregon or parts of Washington. Like this looks like you're in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And you're actually in the middle of New Jersey or, well, thank or, you. or New York, <laughs> New York uh, State. Yeah. I can't believe that. You know who the the New York uh, film commissioner was for a long time, up until I think two three years ago. She may have been film commissioner while you guys were working oh. on this. Lloyd Coffin's wife, oh. who runs Trauma, all right, <laughs> the okay. Toxic Avenger, and all that. Interesting. And she kept she kept being like, "When are you going to shoot a movie in New York? When are you going to?" In the incentives, I guess, are great, but everyone tells you don't shoot in New York City because it's Brutal, but you didn't shoot New York City. You just shot around New York City.
1: Well, parts and parts. You know, there's um, in that whole radius, uh, we have, for example, a river in the movie. Sure. In that whole river, uh, in that whole radius, there are three rivers the East River, Mm -hmm. the Hudson which are very big. Yeah, no. You, and you cannot you use just that put those, for the type of river we were,
0: <laughs>
1: we were looking for. And then the third what one does is... What you want a
0: dead body to flow past from the mafia? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh,
1: the third one is the Bronx River, um, which runs through Manhattan, but it's almost entirely concrete and with buildings to the side. And we wanted a natural river. So I just looked on Google Maps on the satellite like just you know tracked that river and saw it's pretty looks pretty natural in the Bronx Zoo. So we ended up shooting in the zoo um I've been to the Bronx Zoo that
0: that sequence where she and he are in the you know it, I don't want to I'm trying to be vague geekscape cuz I don't want to spoil it cuz it comes after a pretty important point. Um wait, you shot that in the Bronx Zoo?
1: Yeah, that was Bronx Zoo. <laughs> And then <laughs> and then there what? was and then there's uh you know caves like like if you see the movie there's quite some like there's a, a lot of scenes that are in caves and uh there is no cave in that radius so what we did is we went to a warehouse in Brooklyn and we just put dirt on the ground and made a little bit of a dirt rim
0: Kids are pretty dark. I remember, and, yeah. and
1: you know, the rest was all blue screen. So uh, the cave was entirely digital. We did find uh, we did find a rock structure, though, in one of the parks in Manhattan, in Inwood Park, that worked as the outside of the cave. You know, where yeah. there's there's a scene where you see it from the outside. Yeah. Um, that does actually exist in new york city so if if you go looking you'll find more than you think also small little towns a little upstate you know congress nyack there there's some great places there
0: this is crazy to me um sorry geese if i'm going crazy on this one but um i (laughs) i just think like we're talking about imagery it seems like like where do you point the camera that, that you don't see that it's man that you're? So did you have? I mean, did you have to do some digital deletions and things like oh, that? Oh yeah, because, absolutely. I mean, you, yeah, absolutely. You're, there's you're, a you're, there's a drone you're shot. The biggest plays the. There's it's a,
1: insane. There's a drone shot in the movie where our uh, lead actress runs to the edge of a forest and mm-hmm. the camera rises. And um, as it rises, you see the tips of the trees and then you see the background and you actually see in the original footage the skyline of New York. So, of course, that all had to be retouched. So we used that edge of the forest part, but everything beyond the forest that you see, the sky, the, the landscape in the distance, the horizon line, that is all put in digitally later on.
0: Now I'm wondering if there's a shot in the movie that didn't have some level of digital <laughs> yeah. postwork
1: to it. Well, it was quite a quite a list of shots. I think like 350 to 400 shots.
0: Wow, it, 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 this seemed like the kind of movie you would just go to like Maine and knock out, right? And you guys shot it in the most populated part of North America. It's the way
1: it had to be done because because
0: the tax situation in New York, or you just guys, because of the funding? way it was
1: financed, yeah.
0: I mean how stressful was that?
1: <laughs> Well, you know, it has some pros too. It but, has yeah. it has some pros too because, you know, New York has great crews and um I really had a fantastic crew. Mm-hmm. Like everyone art department, camera department, makeup department, costumes they were really skilled people.
0: Right, that, right. That um you may not find that you know outside of Los Angeles or New York. Right. Wow. Um I'm just that the yeah, now I'm now it's putting a lot into context the patience that it took to uh to do some of your post. Um w- with your VFX background like how big was your VFX team in post and how much uh how much did you have did you use a VFX super or or did you kind of yeah, act as was, one as well?
1: I wore many hats myself uh-huh. on this yeah. film, but um it was kind of a rack tag team or guerrilla team you know so a lot of people came on board that i had worked with previously that i was friends with um andy alessic who is based in berlin um, he uh was the vfx super on set and he took care of Taking a huge homework, chunk yeah. of shots and also coordinated with other companies as the supervisor. Then, uh, my co writer Florian did a ton of shots himself. We worked with a company in Sweden called Filmgate. They did a lot of, uh, the, uh, Anna Make pro- a- prosthetic okay. uh, retouches and basically mapping on, um, digital elements to, on top of the prosthetics. And then, um, there was also a company in the Ukraine that, uh, did a chunk of shots, so it was team effort. It was team effort. Yeah, <laughs> truly. Yeah, that's intense. I think I did a couple myself. Yeah, too. well,
0: I figured that that with a with like, trying to keep the budget low, and I mean, it it sounds like post may have been all hands on deck. um right. How what's the percentage of shots that y- that you found on set with that level of VFX? It seems like you really have to nail your shots and know. What your shots are, so that you are not shooting stuff. You are not gonna have to, you know, you are gonna be wasting money if you shoot stuff. You are not gonna be digitally that you are digitally augmenting for no reason just to get out of the move. It doesn't seem like there is a lot of room for improvising. Mm. So, how well, much I mean, were you finding you know, it, shots on the day, and how much were you just kind of preparation going in with was your, key. Yeah.
1: Preparation was key. Like uh, Toby Oliver, the DP, and I, we really uh, knew exactly what we needed to get. Every day, it was a very clear shot list, and most of it was storyboarded. And as said, you know, because of those twenty-three days and all those um, challenging factors, like the makeup and the kids and the and the animals, etc., we um, had to we we did very few takes. You know, so um, I had to be sure that when I cast the movie, that I have actors. Who have the ability to instinctively tune into their characters? Because I know I wouldn't be able to do like ten takes with with someone, or yeah, you're not going to find it there. And I did get really lucky there. I mean, thank God, because um, Bell was so great; she was so in her character. Uh, we started calling her one take Polly because <laughs> you know she came in yeah. her first take already. Had so so much to it and had such a power that you know maybe we did another one for safety or maybe a third one with a variation and then we moved on. So it was um, very few takes, kind of Clint Eastwood style, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And and then um, just shoot, 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 yeah, and get the day in the can.
0: Wow, Uh, you don't even have time to to be like, did we? wait, did we get that? Do we, you don't even have time to check. <laughs> you just
1: have to keep moving, yeah, which keeps moving,
0: which kind of has to be the way, you know, after a while, I th- I feel like that energy will, I, I remember shooting like my first year of film at, at school and we had to shoot it so fast because we had a child actor. Mm-hmm. Um, We didn't have any help really. And, you're doing things like the costumes and the art direction while you're doing the directing and, and mm-hmm. the, and this and that. And I, I think I, sh- I think that's the last thing I ever repeat <laughs> 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 for a reason. And in the movies, not very good. Geekscape is you'll never see it. But I remember my notes from my professors were that it just had that had a, so much energy to it. Mm-hmm. And I remember carrying that with me and the times when I've been very precious and on, on, on the day, you know, you, you should be precious and prep. You should right. be precious and post. Yes, on the day you should just be confident. Confident, and, and I feel like that energy
1: of just go, 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 go. It creates it, a it great shows up in energy. energy, and it and it spreads to the whole crew. You know, like everyone on the set knows. All right, this is this is moving. You know, yeah. we're we're we have to think ahead because in five, we minutes, have to
0: be on our game because
1: we might yeah. be on the next setup again. You know, like it's it really um, creates a kind of a productive atmosphere on set. And sure you have to be confident. And then you also have to be open to, especially what the actors are doing. you know, I, I feel like I, that was my main goal. I tried to encourage my cast to bring in as much personal connection as they could to to their characters. And I you know try, despite all the rush of of the shoot, try to give them room to do that, right. you know? That, and then I didn't worry that much about the visual effects because, you know, that's my expertise. I've been doing this for years, and I knew I, I didn't even have to think about it that much. I knew, okay, if this take is acting-wise perfect, but there is a shadow going through the background that I don't want, I know, I don't care. I'm going to take out that shadow and post I'm not going to shoot another take because I have to move right. on, you know. Right. So it's it's and who knows kind what of like get.
0: that. You don't you don't want to exhaust the actor. You don't want to exhaust the crew. You don't yeah. know what you're going to get. You don't yeah. know if you're eroding. Yeah. And there's at that there's point. a
1: beauty to the first take. You know, like even I I think I heard sometime that Steven Spielberg said he doesn't like to do rehearsals that much because there's this magic to the first time an actor is in their costume and doing the scene, and and if you do that in a rehearsal, it's almost like that magic is already mm-hmm. burnt and you didn't film it, you know? Right. So I think there's really truth in that. i I've, I felt that on the set. There was often the first or second take were were the best, you know.
0: And you didn't get a chance to rehearse. Or you
1: did, but um, I, I mean I it was I did very, very little rehearsal, like um, mainly for technical reasons, you know, if a stunt had to be choreographed or certain, you know, uh, Bell and I practiced certain animalistic body moves. That must and, have been weird. You know, like, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it was more technical things. Sure. And then rather than actually rehearsing line by line a page of script, we just sat down and discussed the scenes, you know, so, so that... It's fresh. That... That we are both on the same page about where are we in the movie right now with this scene? Like, how does this scene change the story? And uh, where is Anna in her journey? Where is she in her head in this particular scene? You know, so we created a map for that so that uh, the actress and I always knew where we were emotionally with the character. And I felt as long as we know that. And as long as we have our technical basis covered with stunts and uh, things that you just have to rehearse because they're yeah, they can be yeah. dangerous or you know they it's no time on set to figure them out there, then we're good. You because, don't want to be figuring you know. them out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that, that's how people die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: What um when you when you grew up, did you know that this is what you're going to do?
1: I knew it pretty early, you know, it was actually pretty funny. Um, when I was editing the movie,
0: this is in Munich. Did you grow up in Munich? You grew
1: up in Berlin? I grew up actually, I, I left Berlin when I was three with my family. And then I grew up in New Jersey. What? Yeah. That's how you knew all these secret spots to be shooting your phone. Uh, no, no, that's not true. <laughs> I'm kidding. You <laughs> <laughs> um, grew up in New Jersey. Grew up in New Jersey. Then my family moved back to Germany and eventually I moved to Munich. Okay. You know, I had a company there and did, so that's where I did most of my post production so jobs.
0: You did high school and all that stuff in Jersey? No.
1: No. Um, I, I went to Jersey to school until I was 10. I think. Okay. To, yeah. okay so, yeah, so, yeah, so you went so to high early, school in yeah. Germany? Yeah.
0: Okay, and how yeah. was that? I mean, how the was switch? that culture shock? Yeah, because oh, yeah, it was a culture shock. It I seemed was, like you moved there after the wall came down. You know yeah, what I mean? Like it's, I mean, it seems like the wall's down, you can move back to Germany.
1: That was, I mean, that was a coincidence. It okay. wasn't because of that, but um, yeah, that was the timing. The wall came down. I mean, it was it was interesting because the next time I was in Berlin, it wasn't. I was born in West Berlin, which was kind of a small. Small town, actually. Okay. You know? I mean, small city. And then when I came back to Berlin when I was 12 or 13, I saw it like, holy so shit, the, this the, is a huge city now.
0: The wall partitioned mm. off a small part of Berlin, and that was West Berlin. West Berlin was, it was sizably smaller. Enclave, yeah. It was like, oh, it was like an enclave. Why yeah. have it at all? Just put all of Berlin. <laughs> so, so, man, I mean... Speaking as a Westerner, you know, like what luck to have, to have actually be in West Berlin, mm. The small part of you know the the free quote. Can I say I don't know what I don't know what it is because um, we grew up at the same time, and I just remember like the video in that damn scorpion song over and over again. You know, the winds oh, have changed. Really? Wind <laughs> I of changed. Remember how change. much they kept playing yeah. Winds of Change? That's what I remember from the wall. That my fourth grade teacher had a piece of it. Mm-hmm. Me too, and. That they kept playing that damn Scorpion song,
1: really, uh, yeah, over that, and over again. That song,
0: winds has of change, political meaning there, yeah. And you came back and to Berlin, and now you got access to the whole city, right? Uh, was I mean, was there an energy to it going into your middle school and high school years? Was there? Yeah, I didn't live there. I mean, yeah. I just,
1: I just, uh, I never lived there. in Berlin again. You know, mm-hmm. after the first three years, um, but yeah, it was it it was incredible how the city started growing.
0: And how is Munich different?
1: Munich is much uh kind of uh more quaint I would say mm-hmm. you know it's it's calmer it's less wild
0: <laughs> right you
1: know it has a more moderate climate and it's <laughs> They're very different cities.
0: And, and that's where you went to, to school and that's where you went yeah, to film I went, school. I went
1: to film school there and um, I started out in the industry there. Yep. And
0: was there, I mean, how big was the industry that you could start your own company and start producing there's, television um, and things like that? Yeah,
1: there There is a lot happening, you know, there's, mm-hmm. um, there's the Bavaria film studios in South of Munich. There's Ari, a company that, you know, produces the cameras yeah. but also does a lot of post production. There's uh, lots of production companies, feature and television. So Munich's like
0: its own TV's Hollywood television. T V
1: networks, yeah.
0: Is that almost like the film center of Germany? Is Munich or because everybody when you say, think of Germany you think of Berlin and we I have would, a listener in say, Cologne who does yeah, a lot of
1: Munich stuff. and Berlin are both film television centers. Okay. Cologne as well. You know, so other than In in the U.S., it's not all centered in one town. It's kind of more,
0: every every larger
1: town has a bit, you know?
0: That's cool. Yeah. Because everybody thinks, yeah, I've got to go to L.A. or I've got to go to New York. You you were able to just kind of hang home. I guess if I had never left Austin, like people ask if I ever thought to move back to Austin, and there were times that I've thought to move back to Austin because Mm -hmm. it has turned into a film Mm -hmm. town, but so much of this job, too, is chasing the money to make these movies right you know and i in i guess we've opened it up and i remember kevin smith always saying like like shoot your movie in your backyard right which is make a movie in your backyard uh because you'll make it about you'll be familiar with it you'll be familiar with the characters in it you'll you'll tell a story that's personal you know you'll tell a story that uh, above anything
1: is unique that's what i wanted to say um, yeah. originally about when i was editing wildling I realized that I had actually made this film before in my backyard when I was 12.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was called Escape into the Wild.
0: And you made it in Jersey or in Germany? In You're Germany. Back in Germany,
1: yeah. It was 12 years old. It was starring my little sister. I shot it with a video camera, and it, it starts with her cutting her handcuffs like her ties oh you wow know, it's very es- much like the escaping movie. from a cabin attic like space it was a hut that we found in the forest behind my parents house how creepy is that and um she runs out and then she shoots her tormentor which is me so i you know, I acted in the movie myself, so I had to put the camera on the ground and just pl- press yeah. record, and then run. fall into frame, <laughs> fall into frame. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, you know, throw some tomato juice <laughs> sure. into the lens, and then um, yeah, you know, and then she she gets shot too, and she runs through the forest, and it, it was um, basically a miniature version. You know, shot on crappy video eight videotape, uh, those high eight? yeah, or high eight videotape. You know, I kind of love even... high. I still have my high eight. You do? Well, because yeah. I love the.
0: I kind of there's something nostalgic
1: about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, super eight, high eight. You know, those those early formats. There, there's a magic to it. But anyway, I those totally are the two cameras forgot, yeah. i forgot. Yeah, I totally forgot that I had made this film when I was twelve, and and I found it again and thought, oh man, this the story of the wild thing. <laughs> I'm a hack. <laughs> it, I'm a one trick pony. It must have been with me for a long time. It was. but I you, didn't but even realize.
0: But you said that she was the impetus for the idea as well. Right. And like, yes. I think that, and, and and again, like I did ask that question earlier and maybe there's a better time to talk about it is I, you know, when, when people ask about the stories uh, that come from you, they're all, they all should be fairly personal, yeah. you know? And, um, people ask about this. Like, oh, that was about my brother. This is about this. This is about this. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep them incredibly personal. And um, and after a while, you do feel like you're 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 just shading roughly the same story. You're you're re-augmenting a similar story, or you're looking at you're looking at an issue that's probably inside of you from a different perspective every time. I feel like with our films, we're we're quantifying. We're trying to like quantify the eh, same you know thing. hopefully
1: we not always make the same movie like hopefully no, no. hopefully we'll make different mm. approach different well it's like stories, spielberg in
0: childhood does that make sense like it's like spielberg in childhood or you can look at the filmmakers and they have these themes with
1: them right and like, like and that's what i ask several, you about your themes you know you can have several but what's important you know it's it takes so many sacrifices to make a movie you better mm-hmm. be passionate about it if you're not passionate about it
0: it's that paycheck but you're just huge. doing
1: cookie cutter work or <laughs> right. i don't know so it's important that you care about the theme and even if you don't quite know what it is that it somehow instinctively or you know as a gut feeling <laughs> it means something to you you know so i think that it's it's obvious if you if there are issues buried in you that you know move you it's probably your your films or your stories whatever you put out it will probably have something to do with that in one way or another
0: yeah and and i just that's why i'm like i'm like i really really enjoyed this movie geekscapist and again it's available right now on vod and digital hd and you can find it in theaters uh it's called wildling um i'm like okay i really enjoyed this movie I want to see Fritz's next movie and see how you do the, the pivot or the shift to like scratch the other itch. You know what I mean? Like, right. like what is the other itch? Cause at the same time it, with every project we're, we're scratching ourselves. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And mm-hmm. like, it it still has to have that central place yes. of identity in our, our, you know what I mean? Of, of scratching ourselves. And, and that's, that's what fascinates me is like, like peeling that and that's why I, I kind of really enjoyed doing this show Geekscape it's a surprise and it's, it's almost why we don't really do general generic reviews anymore you know because I feel like everybody does that Mm-hmm. And I'd prefer just talk to a filmmaker and see what gets them excited about making their movies. Because if you're not excited about making this movie, <laughs> it's, it takes too damn long. You know, uh, there are too many hurdles.
1: Well, I, I'll promise to scratch that other itch, as you say. I will try that.
0: Well, you do it. I mean, you're going to do it. Yeah. Right now, you're thinking about that next one that you've of got. Course, yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, like, what's that about? And, like, let's keep pursuing that until it's, yeah. you know, going. Yeah. Um yeah, um, do you, I mean, do you, you have one or do you have several?
1: I'm working on several things, yeah. like both TV and feature projects. And, um, you know, it's it also involves a little bit of strategizing, like what, you know, budget will I be able to tackle next. Um, so there's different projects in the mix. And, you know, before I came here this morning, I was... I was
0: sending out the emails uh, and writing, it, yeah. writing
1: another scene here. Like I'm editing, I'm writing it myself. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, and what and the another project I'm writing with my wife together, and it's uh, you know everything seems to be material driven in this yeah. town. You know, so um, it's good if you have your script in your pocket and you own it and you spec it and it's yours and then. You know, you can take it out and see. Or does this excite anyone? You know.
0: Yes, and you will go through those periods where something you went out with in 2010. Yeah. Everybody's like, "Yeah, we don't get it." You come back with it in 2018, and people are like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, "Well, wait, what?"
1: Yeah.
0: You know, that in because the climate change is so. Quickly and it's so responsive. It's, it's
1: really like, um, you know, even with Wildling when we were first doing it, um, people said, "Yeah, why? Why does it have to be a girl?" Um, yeah. uh, in at the center of the story, and then. You know, now suddenly everyone's saying, "Oh, it's so great that it's a girl." You know, it's um it's part of the Me Too movement. And yeah.
0: and, and <laughs> i didn't saying, know that you've been sitting right, there I mean, with I mean, looking I'm,
1: at pixels for the last two years. I'm I'm glad that the Me Too movement is happening, but it's it. I didn't know of that <laughs> no, when, we, when I developed the story. you were you trying know. to
0: figure out how to add flames to a shot for yeah.
1: the last two years. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's crazy, mm-hmm. but but it but it does happen, and I think it's happened. Uh, I just had Geekscapists who are listening to this episode. Uh, last episode was Jack Kenny, who was co executive producer of the last season of Jessica Jones, and he talks about how the last season of Jessica Jones, which everybody's like, "Oh my god, it's about the Me Too movement," <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, that wasn't totally going on when we started this. Right. Bush There's Reserve. always a delay. Um, Trump hadn't even been like elected yet." When we started uh, season two's plotting, and it just so happened that a bunch of women were just going to be really pissed off, and we had the ultimate woman that was pissed off, and Jessica Jones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> so cool.
0: It just you know sometimes you miss it, sometimes you nail it, and um, and I th- and, and it goes back to the power of specifics in the storytelling and telling a story that is specific to you in your experience because if you just Hang on to that as your guide. Um, you'll develop an audience that re- that it resonates with. I f- I read a quote. Um, it may have been C.S. Lewis, and I and I kept it. It was it was sent to me on like some email that I was I don't know how I got subscribed to it, but it was like motivational quote for the day. And one landed in my inbox that I was like, oh, I'm going to hang on to that one. I think it was C.S. Lewis saying something along the lines lo- along the lines of. That friendship, that friendships are just uh, two people who have this shared experience. Who are like, oh yeah, I'm into that too. (laughs) You know, how mm -hmm. many times is it? Have you, have you? I mean, that's every friendship you've had is someone who had some common experience, but it has to be fairly specific so that you feel like I'm going to join up with this person because it's me against Mm -hmm. this entire world of doubt. <laughs> mm-hmm. And who knows? In mm-hmm. rejection, and you can't yeah. make your movie yet, or we're not that into it yet. Hey, yeah, just don't yeah. listen
1: to it. I mean, you, you can't. get so many no's, and you know they're just part of you know, you know, getting to your yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's you get a lot of no's, of course, but you have to go to where you feel a spark of excitement. You know, like one of the first um, people. Who really believed in the Wildling Project was my manager Lee Stobie. I know Lee. You know
0: Lee. Yeah, I like Lee. Yeah, Lee is hanging out with Kaylee Marsh like all the time. I go to I go to. I was just thinking (coughs) about Kaylee this morning.
1: Yeah, no, Lee is fantastic, and he he just um, taught me. He said, "Fritz, you know, there's going to be people who say we're not interesting. This is bullshit. They're all stupid." We're just going to go to the people who react to it and who see something in there. And, right. and where we feel a spark, if we follow that spark, we will get mm-hmm. somewhere. And were the and times when turn. you were
0: kind of like climbing the wall, like, oh my God, is oh, this yeah, ever sure. going to happen? Oh yeah, sure. And how do you talk yeah. yourself off the cliff? Do you, well, can you do it yourself or do you go to people like Lee?
1: It was a combination, obviously, but... It's a combination, yeah. I mean, you certainly, you know... you you often reach points where you think, oh, this is never going to happen or something like that. But I think um, I I tried just to stick with it, you know? So even if I felt a low or I didn't see that spark of energy anywhere on the horizon, um, I said, okay, maybe I need to revise something about the script. Maybe I need to try it again. So I went back trashed everything and with Florian together rewrote the script mm-hmm. yet again. You know, like, but we just believed in it so strongly that we said we're, we just don't want to give up.
0: Yeah. We know there's something you know? in the acorn we have to grow it back up. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just have to strip it down just, just back to the core keep and build it back up again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's, um, uh, just takes some uh, what do you say the persistence
0: yeah yeah persistence and, and sometimes i think it's confidence and then it, every time i think that it's confidence i confidence is, it just doesn't seem that fun to me and, I, and sometimes <laughs> I, I i think i think there is confidence geeks It's um uh, but i also think that there's some level of no one's i mean i'm not it, there's a level of naivety in childlike fun that you have to throw it at these projects as well where you're like, I haven't seen something like this before and I don't know if it's going to work. And what, and I think you have to have a healthy dose of that.
1: Of childlike. This chi- yeah. Thing. Yeah. Keeping you just, your, keeping your child alive. I mean, it's yeah. funny that you said, you said in the beginning, you quoted daddy saying, um, telling Anna that she's the last child left because the Wilding has ate all the other children. Mm-hmm. You know, you could almost say, When we grow up, when as human beings, um, oftentimes our child gets eaten. Right. You know, we become adults. We become adults. We don't remember what we actually were as children, and uh, you know, maybe uh, one of the one of or at least one of my goals in life is to not get. Not have that child be eaten mm-hmm. all the way, you know? Like, have a little, keep a little bit of that. And if someone tells me, hey, you got to grow up, that that could be a compliment in some situations, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there's, like, that's you, why I
0: thought boyhood was so beautiful because it was like, you would start with that kid and he's mm-hmm. talking about the clouds he sees in the skies and then by the end of it, he's going off to college. But mm-hmm. you see the you kind of see the erosion of childhood by all these little cuts oh, it, there's yeah. not a big event nobody it, died nobody did this yeah. and that you just see this erosion and right. it like, was it Whoa. was
1: fantastic to watch what a great concept i mean talk about persistence yeah shooting that movie for 12 years <laughs> for 12 years
0: yeah he's he, wow. he's my is my hero and uh yeah. and i'll watch anything he makes um but i thought that that was so profound mm-hmm. um and in, in it's hard in this world where where you jump on Twitter and it's just people being mean to each other. And sometimes you're guilty of that. And you have to stop and be like, no, 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 no. I can't be consumed of that because that's the kind of stuff that kills the child, right? Mm-hmm. Is, the, is facing these. I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that you have to deny reality because you, no, you shouldn't deny not. reality. Yeah. But, but I think it a kid always i think that a child always asks why is that
1: yeah like and we've like lost our ability your, to say why is that a, we say
0: this is why
1: that's we, the core our bullshit keep your curiosity right mm-hmm. that's what that's what it is stay curious yeah yeah
0: stay curious um man we've we've done some pretty good uh we done some pretty good therapy this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right,
0: um, Geekscape is. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Um, I I love doing this show. Um, I've done this for twelve years talking about stories, and I totally will do it for another twelve at least. Um, I'll stay healthy. You guys know I like to do my running and. I don't eat that healthy. I think I'm going to start figuring that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I um, I do love talking to, to filmmakers um, and storytellers and comic book people and video game people and musicians. Uh, if this is your first GeekScape, go back to the feed. We just had Andrew W.K. call in and talk. Uh, we've had multiple showrunners and uh, I sat down last week with one that I'm going to post in July. We've got a... I don't know, I love Outcast, so I sat down with um, Patrick Fugit, Chris Black, the showrunner of Outcast, and we talked about their show, and um, and there's just a lot on the feed going back 11 years, so, so go and have fun and, and explore some stuff. Um, first and foremost, though, you guys should go to the theater and uh, and go see Wildling. Or check it out on VOD and Digital HD. I knew in the opening moments of this movie that I was in for something really, really cool, because it started with storytelling, and I knew that uh, Fritz was going to take me on a bit of a journey. Uh, we've had a lot of um, a lot of really cool independent filmmakers in the in the uh, studio the last couple months, and I'm super thankful for that because I love engaging with them. Um, Fritz, I really hope that you've enjoyed this conversation.
1: I did very much. It was really <laughs> pleasure to be here. You were like, and, "Where's this
0: going, this oh, nerd?" Hey. <laughs> hey
1: uh, yeah. what's this geekscape thing Mon- monday morning therapy session that's that's a good thing
0: <laughs> just, just gonna talk about spider-man <laughs> and captain america the hey, time. Hey, who
1: knows i might be sitting here every week now
0: <laughs> hey, come on in well you're in the valley yes. i'm often in the valley yeah so i think that would be much easier all right to yeah. <laughs> meet up there uh than having to come to culver city but i do want to thank westwood one uh for the studio space um, and for helping to put Geekscape together every week, uh, Geekscape is—we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, but first and foremost, again, go check out this movie. Uh, Fritz, are you on social media that we can follow?
1: Uh, I don't have a Twitter or an Instagram, but I do have a Facebook. Cool. So just hit me up there. It's Fritz Bohm. and I think the Boehm is spelled B-O-E-H-M.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh, and Geekscape is—you can find us on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook search for Geekscape. If you want to be part of the conversation, we have a Geekscape page where we post all these podcasts and we have a Facebook group called Geekscape forever where we kind of talk amongst ourselves. It's kind of taken over for our forums. If you're a long time Geekscape, you remember how active our forums used to be. We've moved them basically to a Facebook group called Geekscape forever. Um, And we're here every week, sometimes multiple times a week talking to filmmakers and storytellers and all these people who, uh, I don't know, They get me excited to talk story. Uh, I hope you join us for the next one. Okay. Geekscape forever. Peace.